Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. My name is Eric. I'm Travis Chappell's producer. And on today's episode, you're about to get coached by some incredible coaches. That's right. We're sitting down with three people with a lot of experience in the realm of coaching. First up is Felicia Romero. She is an online coach, eight-time fitness cover model and trainer on season two of Fit to Fat to Fit. She's also the host of the podcast, The Diet Dropout. Next up is Melanie Parrish. She's a public speaker, consultant, workshop leader, author, and master certified coach through the International Coach Federation from whom she received the PRISM Award. An expert in problem solving, constraints management, operations, strategic hiring, and brand development, Melanie has consulted and coached organizations ranging from a Fortune 50 company to IT startups receiving their first round of funding. And last but not least is Kelly Roach, a former Fortune 500 executive who built and led record-breaking teams in 17 locations around the U.S. 
She takes billion-dollar corporate strategies combined with the speed and agility of the most powerful online strategies of today. Kelly is a featured expert on ABC, NBC, Good Day, The CW, and in some of the world's leading publications such as Inc. and Forbes, where she shares the principles of her best-selling books and top podcast, The Unstoppable Entrepreneur Show. I hope this episode is really helpful to you, whether you're a coach or just leading a team in general, you're going to find something of value. Remember, if you like the show, be sure to take a screenshot and tag Travis on Instagram with the handle at Travis Chapel. All right, let's get into the show. I'm a believer that that money is, you know, one of the highest forms of commitment. Totally. And when they make that commitment with me and invest in themselves, I find that they definitely take it more seriously. One of the hardest things I think that hold a lot of people back and no matter if it's a high ticket client or someone who just wants advice and apply it in their own life, it's really, I would say the mindset that holds them back. And I think that mindset can, you know, cross along the lines of everything that we do, whether it's career, love, relationships with people, and then obviously fitness. I think people make things complicated and make things harder than they have to be. And I, I, people get stuck in their own heads and their own habits and routines. And what I really try to teach with a lot of my clients is obviously giving them the tools and the resources they need, like the meal plan and the workouts and stuff. But really it's the accountability and getting them past that hump of consistency. You know, it's like, let's say the weekends are a tough point for them. If they can get past that weekend and not let the weekend be their weekend, it really, they start to see these transitions in their habits. And it's really, you know, what I see, it's not the food that is the enemy. It is the habits around the food that really lead us to, I don't want to say failure, but lead us to not necessarily hitting those fitness goals or getting back to their old self of what they used to do. Failure. (laughs) don't don't be afraid to say it please it's failure yeah (laughs) Um, and I've I've been a victim of that myself multiple times and and just a quick little background I was so I played basketball my entire life so I was always in really good shape I even through college I was playing some college ball and we had two hours of practice every night so then I got injured I got surgery and I stopped playing basketball I got married the next like six months and Mm -hmm. then my wife started cooking amazing food all the time and my diet wasn't always super great anyway so like I kept eating like I was and then just eating more and more and more. And I got up, I'm about six one. I got up to about 250 pounds at the end of 2015. And it's been a, a really long journey back down. I'm about 200, 205 right now. So I can very much attest to the whole failure thing, but it is what it is. It's failure because there's a certain commitment level that it takes to get to reach those goals. And so it's really cool that you are able to help a lot of people see those yeah. things happen. So what are some of like the different habits that you were talking about that you try to help people create? Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that I get a lot of ladies that contact me and again, you know, the more transparent I am online about the issues that I've dealt with, those are the people that I tend to get. So I'm very, very open and vocal about my past days of extreme dieting and binge eating. You know, I had metabolic damage, adrenal fatigue. So I get a lot of inquiry from those people and those people that contact me are sort of in that mode where they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I can't get a hold of myself. And that's the thing is people, most people know what to do. They have the resources in front of them. They can, you know, anyone can go online and research a meal plan and follow something. But it's really, again, the habits around the food. So what I get most of are ladies that have really hard time and have really bad relationships with food. So first and foremost, I have them, we do, I like to do a lot of soul searching, a lot of writing with my clients. So I have them identify what foods are trigger foods for them. For me, obviously we want to get to a place where those trigger foods no longer trigger them. But in the beginning, 
those are trigger foods. We got to get them out of the house. You know, for me, it used to be peanut butter. I literally would wake up in the middle of the night. I could eat a whole jar of almond butter or peanut butter in the middle of the night and go back to sleep like nothing happened. And that's like (laughs) thousands of calories. And I literally would think, what am I doing wrong? And I knew what I was doing wrong, but I was in so much denial about it. And for some reason, I thought since it was the middle of the night, like, you know, I was just going to forget about it and go to sleep and it wasn't going to count. It doesn't count. Yeah. (laughs) So I just like, I told myself that story for so long. And for a lot of people, they tell themselves these stories, like I've eaten good all day so I can have this in the evening, you know, which again, like why reward ourselves with food? It's just food. So we have to like look at food differently. And that's what I try to teach a lot of my clients is create this different relationship with food and look beyond the emotional factors that we surround around it and really just use it for those nutritional purposes. And obviously we want to enjoy it. It's very Mm -hmm. social, but becoming aware and learning ourselves and, and stopping when we're full and not eating just because we're bored. And, you know, like, you know, we go to the movies, we all want to get popcorn and go, but are you really hungry? Like, do you really want the popcorn? You know? So it's one of those things where you just have to really be aware and learn within yourself. Cause again, no one's going to do it for you. You can have all these accountability tools and coaches around you that are teaching you. But then again, that person, my client is going to have to take the actions necessary to make those changes. And that's what I try to assist with. But again, it's really honestly those habits surrounding the food. So first and foremost, I have them sort of, you know, take out those trigger foods and completely get it out of the house until we kind of come to terms with their goals, but also being in control when around those certain foods. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's the biggest thing is being in control. So I want to talk about networking for sure, Felicia, but I want to ask you about this one last thing, just because of my personal curiosity. What do you think about fasting? I love it. I am a advocate of fasting. I love intermittent fasting. I really honestly, with as much studies as if I've read about it, because obviously there's pros and cons to everything, but actually like experiencing it myself, it's awesome for brain cognition, for function, for cleaning your gut, clearing your gut, giving your digestive system a break. I think we live in a society where we tend to overeat and emphasize too much on food and what it's doing to us. Because honestly, fasting for 16 hours, I know a lot of people sometimes have issues with that, but honestly, we have enough fuel in our system and body. Body to really keep us alive for a couple of days. So I think 16 hours of fasting, you know, is no big deal, but I think there's so many cognitive benefits and digestive benefits to it. Absolutely. Awesome. I like hearing that. So that's been like the biggest key for me is, is intermittent fasting. So I'm, it's 1.30 PM right now, Pacific time. And I haven't mm-hmm. eaten today. I've just had a cup of black coffee and some water and stuff like that. And I, right. I try to do that every single day and not to eat until after two. It's been it made such a huge difference for me, especially in my energy levels because I always hit a wall after lunch. Like if I mm-hmm. ate lunch at like 12 o'clock or 1130 mm-hmm. or something, like two o'clock, I'd be like, all right, nap time. Right. <laughs> and right. now I, I don't feel like that at all now. Like I'll eat lunch at 230 or three and I'll be good till dinner. So it's sometimes it's good for me to hear that because I'll have people tell me like, that's not healthy. You need to be eating more food, man. And I'm yeah. like, I think Honestly, it's pretty healthy. <laughs> it is. It's so healthy. But again, it's very anecdotal. So it depends on the person, you know, like totally, there's some yes, people exactly. that just can't, like I can completely function and I actually feel better when I do, but there's some people, especially those, and I'll just say like those with adrenal fatigue or severe, severe, like cortisol issues probably won't feel really that great on intermittent fasting just mm-hmm. because their bodies are, their adrenals are so off and their endocrine system is a little funky. So that's probably not going to benefit them. But again, it's just 
by person basis, you know, and you're never going to know unless you try. And I'm a firm believer, like, Hey, give it a try, see how you feel, you know, and that's really your best indication. Love it. Okay. So now we need to talk a little bit about networking here towards the end of the interview. Yeah. Spent a lot of time talking about fitness and health just because <laughs> I'm a huge advocate of it. And it's been like a big journey for me yeah. <laughs> in the last like year and a half. Yeah. So I like talking about that kind of stuff, but this is building network podcast. So we got to talk a little bit about networking here. So this is the question I ask everybody to get this conversation started. Felicia, do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? Ooh, that's a good question. I think they both are beneficial, obviously, but honestly, I think I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to go with uh, who you know, because I'm a firm believer. Like I say yes, and I figure it out later, right? So Mm -hmm. it's definitely going to benefit you what you know. It kind of, you know, if you can become authority in your field and a credible, that's awesome. But if you don't know the right people to get your message out, then you're you're never going to be able to grow and build. So I think that's why two network BNIs and and networking groups become so popular. And again, social media and, and reaching out to people, you know, who are in your network and growing and building. I definitely think the latter is probably going to help you in the long run, because you can always learn. You can always learn along the way. And again, I've, I can't tell you how many times in my life that I have said yes to things, not really like <laughs> not knowing maybe too much about it, or maybe not super confident about it, but you know what, I'm facing my fear and I'm just gonna like, okay, yes, I can do it. And I'll figure it out. <laughs> And and I I end up rocking it and I end up doing it just fine. You know, especially my first motivational talk, it was years ago. I knew I wanted to become a motivational speaker. I knew I wanted to speak to schools and I wanted to like really put myself out there, but I didn't know how to get there. I remember putting it out in the universe and I got a call and I got, you know, my first high school principal called me and said, Hey, we want you to come speak to our students. And I remember like, he's like, how much do you charge? And what are you going to talk about? I had no idea. I put it out in the universe, but I didn't know what I was going to talk about. So (laughs) I just said yes. And I figured that out later and it did amazing. And I ended up becoming a youth ambassador that year. So it really, honestly, it's the networking that's really going to get you there. Yeah. So a couple of things on that. First of all, I've done the same exact thing. I think almost anybody who has a level of drive in them has done that. Or like Mm -hmm. literally somebody recently was like, Hey, do you do podcast coaching? And I was like, yep. (laughs) And had not had like an idea of doing it. Like I thought about possibly doing it, but I was like, yeah, let's do it. And it's been going really, really well. You know, I figured out, just figured out how to make it happen and how to do it the right way. But also something on the who versus the what thing. We were talking a little bit before the recording about how you just joined this group coaching program and how much it's helped you to be able to bring in some money into your business. And the biggest thing about the who versus what argument is that I'm always going with who because my who will always increase my what, right? So like how long would it have taken you to figure out these little tips and tools and tricks that you're learning in these last like couple of weeks of this group coaching program, if you would have tried to do it by yourself, you know what I mean? Like, whereas you get in touch with somebody who has done it and does do it on a daily basis and Mm -hmm. on a 10X level and Mm -hmm. you get in touch with them and figure and learn from them, your what will increase dramatically if you just get around the right people. And I try to hammer this home so much because people are so afraid to spend money on these kinds of things because it's really hard to measure the ROI sometimes upfront. But I'm telling you, if you spend time and money and energy and relationships, your what will increase, your who will increase, and your revenue will inevitably increase. Absolutely. Through college, I'd done sales and marketing and things like that. I had always been interested in that. Okay. And uh, I became sort of disillusioned with the idea of taking equity out of people's homes. It, It just didn't, it didn't feel good to me. I wanted to have a more positive impact in the world. I sort of networked my way into learning about coaching. Yes. Um, how, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, I thought you might ask that. <laughs> well, I, 
I had a guy I was dating in Phoenix, Arizona, and I dropped my my kid off at the time. I was I was newly divorced at that point, and I went to see this friend in Arizona, and I was reading a book at the time called Practical Intuition by Laura Day, and it was. It was an interesting book. Um, Laura Day was Demi Moore's psychic. And I I thought it was an interesting book. And so I was reading it and she had all these exercises where you would sort of think a thought or ask a question and then you would follow the information that you got. I, I'm saying this sort of with a, a laugh in my voice because <laughs> it still feels kind of woo-woo to me, the whole thing. Yeah, right. Um, and, and I'm not a very woo-woo coach, but I I was doing this book and I was doing all these exercises and you would write something down. And at one point I thought to myself, I, I was doing an errand for my friend and I, I thought to myself, oh, I need to find a locksmith. And my car literally, I just drove straight to a locksmith in Phoenix and I'd never been there before. And then I thought, well, I need to find a bookstore. And I drove straight to a bookstore. And I, I literally didn't know where I was going. But it's the idea was to pay attention to what's around you. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. well, I'm going to try this. I, I knew when I went on this trip that I was done with being a mortgage broker and I was going to find a new career. I just knew it. I told people this. I, I said, I'm going to go on this trip. And at the end, I'm going to know exactly what I want to do next. And so I was driving home. And there was a road sign that said, oh, oh, I was driving home and I thought to myself, okay, now's the time to ask the question. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed Survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters. Is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. What am I going to do next? So I think that in my mind, and the sign pops up that says, 
this road maintained by Lucent Technologies. And it, it was a really interesting sign because I had been looking at companies that were top, you know, top employers in my area. I was in Denver at the time. And Lucent was on my list of a place I might want to work. Hmm. And so I went, so I was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to work at Lucent. Great. That's, that's easy. That's super clear. So the next night I was in my hometown and I went out to drinks with my friend Patrick and his sister Christy and a woman who I've never spoken to again. I met her and because she lived in Denver also, I said, oh, what do you do? And she said, oh, I work for Lucent Technologies. Hmm. And I said, I'm supposed to work for Lucent Technologies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, knowing the ridiculousness of the statement. And she said, Oh, really? Tell me more about that. And I started telling her about wanting to, you know, being in the mortgage business, wanting to have a more positive impact in the world. And I was looking for a new career. And she said, Oh, no, Melanie, you aren't supposed to work for Lucent. You're supposed to be a coach. Hmm. Interesting. She was an internal coach at Lucent. And she, in that conversation, told me what school to go to, what to check out, what to look at. I got back to home after Christmas and I went and signed up for the coaching course. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then that was how long ago, roughly? 21 years ago. Okay, so 21 years now you've been coaching. Um, Talk to me about the beginning process. Like, was there ever a time in your coaching career where you're like, man, I should just give this up and go get a regular job? Well, I, in, yeah, about 10, about 14 years ago, I actually took a regular job. I, I just was having a hard time having, getting enough clients at that point. And I, it was early, it was early, early in the, it was, maybe it was earlier than that. Um, and I took a job and I actually negotiated in the contract that I could coach at lunch and I coached in the evening. So Mm. I just worked all the time. And so I kept my coaching practice and I did a job I loved. And I really liked, I really liked that time in my life. It was very interesting. I was working as a director for AmeriCorps. So I was doing a lot of coaching internally as well. Yeah, right, right. And it was really interesting to do that. Yeah, so true. So let's talk a little bit. I know we chatted a little bit prior to recording about uh, about networking and about relationship building and how people can do it the right way instead of the wrong way. Um, this is the question that I ask everybody that comes on the show to kind of get them going in the right direction. So um, Mel- uh, Melanie, do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why do you believe that? I I think it's a really interesting question and I actually think my answer is that who I know gives me what I know as a coach. Hmm. Interesting. Can you expound on that? Yeah. I I get to walk in my clients' lives and so those aren't disparate conversations. The the conversations I have with one client might be relevant to another client three years later. And so because I get to walk in multiple clients' lives, I'm a business coach, so multiple businesses, 
I, I learn from my clients. So I work with really high powered, super successful people. Hmm. They're brilliant. Yeah. And I get to be with them in conversations about their biggest challenges. And I get to be a part of it long-term. I, my clients stay with me a really long time. I have a client I've had for 20 years since almost the beginning. Yeah. And because they stay so long, it's, it's like I get to be there to be a partner, to be a thought partner, to, to hear their challenges, but also to hear how they resolve them. And so what I know, I can't even extricate from who I know. Yeah, right. That's, that's really always my answer is exactly what you just said is that the what is always going to come from the who. Um, and that's no matter what who is around you, by the way, like that, that's why that's why building your network and and being really careful about the people you spend a lot of time with is so important because you're going to learn from the people that you spend time with regardless of if you're intending to or not. And uh, so you're either going to learn from people that make you better or you're going to learn from people that make you worse. And uh, so getting around those people that are going to make you better can make all the difference. If you just go spend the time with the people that are crushing it in your space, then you will end up at the top of your space, right? I wholeheartedly agree. When I started my first job, I think like many people, I didn't really even understand like what the company did. I didn't really understand what the sales was. I was just like, I know if I hustle my face off, I can make a lot of money. I can get promoted. I can advance quickly. And very quickly, they asked me to move into leadership. And I was not that excited about it. To be honest, I was not really, I love the ability to move and have speed and agility and do my thing and all that. So it took me a little while to really understand the power and the magic of leading people and getting results through others. But once that clicked for me, I really quickly realized like, wow, what you can do with a team is exponentially more than what you can ever do on your own. Mm. And that is like something huge that I brought to my own coaching company when I started it, you know, even back in 2012, when I was first getting started. And, you know, fast forward to today, it's really how we've gotten to the position that we are in the market and, and where we are as a company, because I have this like incredible profit warrior team that like, they just get it, you know, they sell, they market, they lead, and now they're teaching you know, others that are coming up through. Curious, what was that first product that you sold? The first thing that I sold was one-to-one business coaching. It was, oh, really? Really, it was one-to-one taking entrepreneurs that were really good at their craft and really loved and were passionate about what they did, but really didn't understand sales, sales systems, database builds, marketing. No, no, no. I mean, I mean like back when you're in your first job, oh, what was like your first, like, what was staffing. it? Staffing. Got it. Got people. it. Okay. Yeah. Selling, yeah. selling people on people. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Yeah. Cool. So that was like your first taste of yes. that world. What kind of, if this is okay for me to ask, what kind of money were you making in that job? At the start of it, I was making like $36,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Over my trajectory as I grew, I was in the multiple, you know, above 300000 But it got to a point where I looked at the, we were a publicly traded company. So okay. I could salary of the CEO and I was like, I can make that from a bedroom in my house, working for myself, not traveling trains, planes, buses, you know, all over the place. And, you know, I just was like, hmm, this doesn't really add up. You know, I'm going to go do no my kidding. own thing. You know? <laughs> so how old were you when you broke off then? 
and yeah. started your own thing? So I was, so 2012, I think I was 29. I want to say I was 29. Gotcha. I, so eight or nine years in the corporate world, yeah. selling, 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 and then save a little bit of money and then break off and start your own thing at that point. And I started on the side. I started on the side. I always tell the story. I had Smart. my little liberty. I would be out in my car making cold calls and doing consults on my lunch break. Okay. I would go out on my lunch break and I make cold calls. So I'm like a very risk adverse person. Yeah. I'm not one of those stories of people that are like, burn the boats. And I actually advise against that. I know that's contradictory to a lot of the advice out there, but I actually believe that you make far better decisions in your business when you don't make decisions out of desperation. No kidding. A lot of people quit their job way too soon. They don't understand what they're doing. They don't have enough money saved. They don't have a source of income to fund what they're doing. And that's why a lot of people end up back, back in, in the job, job again. Yep, right? exactly. So I did the slow and steady route, but it really, really paid off for me because I was able to invest in staff. I was able to invest in advertising and I was able to make really strategic decisions, you know, and fast forward today, we're an eight figure company, right? Yeah. And that started off from me making cold calls on my lunch break in my car. Yeah. What kind of lists were you cold calling? Were you like buying lists from people or like, was this like a a list of prospects that you had built yourself? Like where were you getting the information to call? Because I was working full time. What I did was I ran Facebook ads for people to apply for consultations. And then obviously there would be a good number of leads that never made it all the way through. So I was like building this database of people that had different varying levels of interest and basically work that list. So you're literally just building your own email list, your own lead list. Exactly. Were you running your own ads as well? No, no. I hired an agency. I mean, now I have a full-time person now, but no, I outsource. And I actually think, and I advise, you know, people that are getting started with ads to do that as well, because it is a skill. Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. I outsourced ads for five years before I brought them in house. And when I did bring them in house, I spent a lot of money to get my marketing person trained on how to run ads effectively and how to manage them and, you know, get an ROI and all of that. Yeah. Cool. So Kelly, you are obviously a master of a, of the sales process of sales cycle. What are the top few mistakes that you see most entrepreneurs make when it comes to their sales? I mean, I think first of all, people think that sales is about talking and sales is actually about listening. So number one, ask better questions and be quiet. People will give you the answer key. They'll tell you everything that they want and need that will get them excited to buy if you just give them the space and you allow the breath in the conversation. That's number one. Number two is just failure to follow up. I mean, it blows my mind how hard people work to generate leads and then they don't do anything with them. Hmm. And by follow up, I don't mean sending an automated email sequence. I mean, actual human connection, human interaction, relationship building. So I'd say that's number two. But that's hard, Kelly. (laughs) I don't want to do that. (laughs) I know. I know. But you can hire people to do it. You can hire people to do it. I have a sales team. So I don't do any selling myself anymore. But I do, you know, I do sell on camera, obviously, in the live launch and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't do like consultations or anything like that anymore. Yeah. So I think just, I think over automation has gotten a lot of people in trouble. And I think, going back to basics and and really looking at how sales got started and building relationships and creating human connection, following up, you know, and even just understanding, you know, having a sales funnel and working people through it. Because I think a lot of times people generate leads for a specific webinar or launch or event, 
And then there's like nothing that happens afterwards. And a lot of people need to go through several renditions of what you deliver or offer before they're ready to make a buying decision. Mm -hmm. So just having like a continuum in your ecosystem is really, really important. You talk a lot about hiring and obviously that's an important part, integral part of your success. Who are the people that you typically start with? Is this a situation by situation basis or is it fairly across the board? These should be your first two to three hires. Yeah, I mean, I would say definitely your first two to three hires, admin and operations on one side and then sales and marketing on the other. So I always say start with those two legs and then you can expand out from there, sales, marketing, operations, finance, and then service delivery and everything else kind of falls underneath of that. But I would say get someone helping take all the tactical stuff off your plate so that you can focus on profit producing activities and then get someone who their whole reason for being there is to generate revenue. Mm -hmm. And those are really the two hires that are going to like catapult your business and make a huge, huge difference in creating hyper growth. So I'd say definitely starting there. And, you know, I would say the other thing is hire for DNA, not for skill set or resume. So, you know, the most important thing, especially in an entrepreneurial company is going to be tenacity, flexibility, drive, motivation, commitment, work ethic, and you can teach skills and you can hire people to teach skills to your team. But if they don't have that DNA, you're really up a creek. So just leading with that. When it comes to your salespeople, do you typically recommend, especially if you're getting started, if you're kind of bootstrapping, do you recommend people pay salespeople hourly or a salary base plus commissions? Would you recommend it be mostly commission or 100% commission? How how do you recommend typically bringing people on like that? I like to start with a base salary and then commission. I think like a reasonable base where, you know, they can live, but that they don't want to live off of that base salary, you know? Yeah, sure you know, hiring people that are motivated to create six and multiple six figure income working for you. But I do always pay a base salary. Yeah. Okay. Got it. This is the Build Your Network podcast. Obviously we talk a good amount about relationship building, talk a good amount about networking, communication, and all that good stuff. So I'm curious to hear your answer to this question because it's the one I've asked every guest that's come on the show. Who you know or what you know, Kelly, which of those two is more important and why? Ooh, I'm going to say what you know, but I don't think that's a complete answer because I think it's what you know and what you do with what you know, because there can be lots of people that know lots of things, but they don't do anything with it. I think the what you know and the who you know actually go hand in hand. I'm not giving a one-dimensional answer. I really believe those two things are two sides of the same coin because it's who you know because of what you know and what you do with it. That matters. So I think bringing those two things together is is really equally important. But again, the what you know only matters depending on what you actually do with it. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to TravisChapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.